the purpose of the Spirit. And uh, we had uh, here a couple of weeks ago, uh, we was talking about the fact that uh, the, uh, one of the purposes of the Spirit is that He empowers and uh, we had started this, if you will, this uh, teaching and preaching on empowerment over the fact that he has given us power over Satan. And uh, we were looking at the word of God in those respects to, uh, uh, here a couple of weeks ago. And uh, tonight we're going to be taking a look, if you have your Bibles, out of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and uh, we're going to read uh, starting at verse number 16. Galatians 5 and uh, starting at verse 16. And uh, for many this is a familiar passage of scripture. But we're going to take a look here in regards to this. Uh, as we see the uh, uh, dichotomy or the difference between the things of this flesh. And those things that are of the spirit. And so when you come to your place in Scripture, if you would uh, stand with us one more time for the reading of God's Word. Galatians 5, and uh, going to start reading here at verse number 16. And when you're there with us uh, in Scripture, if you would say, Amen. The Bible here says, This I say then. Now I want you to notice in this statement it sounds very simple what he's going to say. Uh, matter of fact, Paul just kind of puts it just very plain. Uh, it says, this is what you've got to do. Are you ready? He simply says, walk in the Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me just insert this little tidbit for you. I don't know if you've noticed a trend in the modern day church, but there's a lot that will stand in the pulpit of the modern day church and all of these things can be attached to the lives of people. And it is now preached that's not a problem. That's not a big deal. That's it. You, you, got, you, you struggle with alcohol. You're a drunkard. You're wrapped up in drunkenness. Don't you worry. Jesus loves you. There's going to be exception for you. You're immoral. You're an adulterer. You're breaking up homes. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. It, it, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. That's not what I'm saying. That's the message, though, of the modern church. Jesus loves you enough to overlook that. And it's been said, it was even said Sunday night, and we say this often and over again in the fact that 
Jesus loves you and loves you enough that he died for you and will forgive you. But he also loves you enough that you don't stay living there. Stay living there, bound in that. But it said, these things, if you do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this list that is against us and these, these lusts of the flesh, these are things that all of humanity you battle with and it's around us and all of these things and I don't have the time to dive into and dissect each and every one of these, these situations. But nonetheless, if you're alive, you've been affected. If you're, if you're living and breathing, it's, it's been in your face, around you, tried to attach itself to you. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such or against these things, there's no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now what Paul says when he says, look, here's what you need to do. You want to be an overcomer? You want power over this flesh? He says, walk in the Spirit. Like I said, it sounds like a simple statement. Has anybody ever heard the phrase or have you ever told anybody? It's easier said than done. And uh, in doing so, in yielding ourselves, here's what I want you to understand is that when we will yield ourselves and commit ourselves to say, Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit, if we know the Holy Ghost has come to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us into truth, amen, to help us and empower us, giving us power over Satan, well, tonight, if I can, I just want you to understand that in the regards of how he empowers us, if there's one thing where there's a lot of hope and where we need a lot of hope, uh, help, it's in this aspect, and I'm just going to preach for a little bit over power over self. Amen. Now, we can shout when it's power over Satan, right? Because, I mean, bless God, we blame the devil for everything. The devil made me do it, right? We can shout, we can get behind the preacher on that, but we get into this territory, we don't like it very much. We get into this territory, and we, you know, where the rubber meets the road, and we have to look in the mirror spiritually, it's, it's, it's tough. But here's what I want to tell the church tonight, what I want to remind us is, thanks be to God that the Spirit has come to empower us that we can have victory over self, over flesh. Amen. It might have been Brother Clendenin who had said time and again that that great enemy of S-E-L-F, self. Amen. We've got to have victory over it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your word. Thank you for every promise. And thank you tonight for the precious Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, that helps us that we can have victory over Satan and, yes, victory and power over self. And, Father, I pray you'd help us tonight, and we thank you for it.
And we ask that you would touch every heart, every mind, my lips, my mind. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. If I can, I want to share with you a couple of phrases that I really like that the Amplified Version of the Bible uh, says. The Amplified Version just really giving a breakdown in regards to uh, uh, the words that are there in correlation and conjunction with the King James Version. But in the opening statement, the Amplified Version said this, and it leapt out of the pages. And I said, oh my, how good is that? Because... uh, uh, when we uh, when we talking about when we talk about walking in the spirit, uh, I want you to understand that uh, really when we speak about salvation in general, our relationship with God. Here is a sad fact. This is the sad statistic. It's the fact that there are many who have reduced down their experience with God or their walk with God as to what takes place. In the particular service or services at the church they attend. That's what they correlate to their walk with God. Now I understand in this house that that statistic or that particular dynamic uh, might be a, a much smaller margin in comparison to the whole. There are many of us that are in here that you are mature, seasoned believers. There is evidence and fruit in your life of the fact that daily you are walking with God. And I thank God for that. We preach here and and you have been admonished and ministered to over the course of these 60 plus years uh, that the truth of God's word and the power of God's word to be at work and doing a, a continual progressive work in your life every single day. But sadly we are in a place as to where we find ourselves. I often... I've been uh, I've been in hundreds, uh, hundreds upon hundreds of youth camp services from the time I was a teenager all the way up through my adult years and been around uh, young people in youth camps, and I would dare say that I've not been in a youth camp setting. Uh, services as to where the evangelists maybe of the night service or those that might be preaching day services that somewhere some minister in the course of camp is admonishing young people that their experience not be just regulated to a couple of a week window. And then all of their experience, their zeal, their excitement, their commitments fizzle out. And young people hear that over and over and over. I heard it over and over and over as a young person. But uh, I think to a certain degree we've kind of picked on the young people a little bit. And we've beat them up with that phrase. And in the same token I think that it could be applied, amen, to us adults as well. As to where sometimes our experience with God. What he's doing in us and how he's working in us and relationship that is 
to be cultivated with him, us abiding in him, him abiding in us. It seems that sometimes we regulate it. We may not mean to. It may not be the, it may not be the thought that we have in the midst of things, but sometimes if we're not careful, we are simply living in experience from service to service. It, it seems that, that there are those that it all falls apart uh, from uh, Monday to Wednesday or Monday through Saturday, that there's just something that comes along, and I mean it just knocks you off course. Did you know, I, I believe, uh, what, what's today? Is today the 16th or se- today's the 17th? I believe I'd have to go back and look, and I don't know if it's on a particular calendar somewhere. I'd heard it on the radio, and uh, uh, and it's like other things that you hear. Sometimes you take it with a grain of salt. But I had heard that it has January the twelfth has been coined International Quitters Day. International Quitters Day. Do you know why they selected January the 12th? Well, because statistics will now tell us that from January 1 or on New Year's Eve night, whether you was in a watch night service or you was sitting there with your vision board and your list and your goals and how you was never going to eat Taco Bell ever again. How you was never going to do this again, and you was going to you was going to walk ten miles every day, right? Some of you say I got one of them days in, and it might have been two miles instead of ten. I don't know, but but the statistic tells us, brother Scott, that within twelve days, everything that we were going to do has been abandoned. That all of the good intentions, all of the all of the go get itness, all of the you know new year new me, all of the I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, no, we're not. For some, we're pleasantly comfortable with being sick and tired. But we come to find that it is said that January 12th, Brother Peyton, they have called it, coined it, International Quitters Day to say, oh, well, you know, I already slipped up. Oh, well, I didn't do it. And so, therefore, uh, I just can't be consistent with it, so I am done. And the sad thing is, is that for some, it's uh, Sunday, it's feel good. Sunday, it's tears. Sunday, it's shouting. Sunday, it's amen. Sunday. Sunday, it's yes, blessed be the Lord. Sunday, it's God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And by Monday, I quit. By Monday, it's too hard. By Monday, I wasn't expecting it to be this difficult. By Tuesday, I didn't know that so-and-so would get on my last nerve. By Wednesday, I didn't know that, uh, you know, the car would break down. By Thursday, I didn't know my my husband, my wife, was going to be so rude to me. By Friday, I didn't know that I would that this was going to break down at the house. And the list goes on and on and on. You see, we love the practice of being able to point our fingers at a problem to be the scapegoat of why we don't, of why we can't, 
of why we cannot successfully live for God. But I said all of this to say to, to, to read to you this statement out of the Amplified. The Amplified says, but I say, walk habitually with the Spirit. Boy, Brother Jimmy, that I mean that grabbed a hold of me. Let it be a habit. Let it be something. Amen. If, if you're going to be addicted to something, what if we as a church were to get addicted again to the fact that when the day starts, Brother Gary, we're going to seek the face of God. We're going to see what the Word of God has to say. Instead of letting the news set the tone. Instead of letting social media set the tone. Instead of letting our Feelings dictate what's going on. I want you to know and understand that there are many that maybe even we came in here tonight and we're three nights deep into the week and you are already bent out of shape. You are already so flustered. You are already, already down and discouraged. And, and, and you'd say, you just, uh, you know, watch, watch your words, preacher. You all just be glad I'm here tonight. I understand that feeling. I understand how that feels. As a matter of fact, I, I, I can tell you, you can almost mark it down, that if there's going to be a challenge, if there's going to be anything that pops up, I mean, if there's going to be anything that can frustrate, it's typically going to be a, a, a Wednesday night, a late Saturday night, right, just before you're going to get to church, or just before I'm going to get into the pulpit, somebody's got to text some bad news, somebody's got to, you know, there's some, somebody says something, whatever the case might be. How I want you to understand is that these things, they can reach and touch every single one of us. What I want you to understand tonight, though, is that we are finding ourselves that we are under the habit of saying or making excuse and or yielding to this flesh, yielding to ourselves, making reason as to why we can't. But I want you to understand tonight that I do believe and the the Word of God says so that there is victory for the child of God over their flesh. There is victory over yourself. There is power that is supernatural that comes from on high. The Holy Ghost that abides in you and I that can give you help in those places of struggle. We're not going to stand here or sit here tonight and pretend like we don't struggle. I know we do. I know that we do. Why? Because we're human. Why? Because the Word of God plainly tells us, Brother Segura, that there is, uh, they, that the flesh and the spirit, they are contrary one to another. There's always a fight. There's always a war that's going on. There's always a war going on in your mind. Maybe there's a war that goes on with your mouth. Maybe there's a war that goes on with your emotions. Maybe, maybe, it's, it, maybe instead of living by faith, you are more so living by a feeling. You are living by frustration. You are living in a place as to where you are always looking at the things that are wrong instead of what things God is doing, how He's working, and what is right. Now, I know tonight some of you probably done turned me off. Amen. That's okay. But it says here, it says, walk habitually. 
Walk habitually. Let it become something that you have developed a habit to walk with the Spirit. To seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature. Amen. That's powerful words right there. I was talking with a man one time who told me. He said, I can't help myself. He said, I am a man, I live in this flesh, I have needs, I have desires and things that I grapple with. And so therefore, his statement was, it was an argument to the fact that if I can't keep self-control, it's just who I am. And so therefore, it is what it is. But does the Bible admonish or condone such behavior? Have you, have you ever dealt with somebody that they had no problem running off at the mouth and their excuse was, you know how I am, you know that's what I'm going to do, you know that's how I'm going to be. Is that legitimate excuse? Or those who would say, you know how my temper is. You know how this is. Or I've heard and talked with folks said, well, this was what my daddy did. This is what mama did. This is how I was raised. This is what I saw every day. So therefore, I can't help myself. And you know, there might be some truth in the fact that you in and of yourself, you're right. I can't help myself and you cannot help you in yourself. But church, I want to remind you tonight that Christ did not go to the cross and shed his blood and forgive my sin and your sin for me to run back to the gutters, run back to the muck and the mire, run back and jump in the sand pit or the quicksand every time. I'm the miry clay and just say, oh, well, that's what it is. He came and set us free. He pulled us out of that mess and he said, then I'm going to take a piece of heaven and I'm going to put it inside of you so that you have the power to stay out of that stuff. Hear me. So that you have the power to do better, to be better. Paul was stating here the fact when he said that when we find ourselves, that when we don't yield to and walk after the flesh, he said, uses a term, he says, you're not under the law. What he is meaning there is the fact, talking about the fact, the law of this sinful nature. We come to find that Christ has given us power over this. The Spirit of God has given us power over these things. And I want you to understand it is imperative that we allow the Spirit to empower us to do so. Because let me just say this. I say it with love. I will smile at you while I say it. But there are some things we hang on to. There are some things that, that we possess and we... we, we uh, justify our reason and let me just tell you by way of the word of God if you live by that you hold on to it you admonish it you groom it you let it take hold in your life you will not be able to inherit the kingdom of God it puts you in a place what's called enmity 
What does that mean? By best definition, tell you, it means it makes you an enemy of. There's discord there. We find the Word of God says this. It says that from the same fountain cannot flow bitter and sweet water. Have you noticed the trend of the church world today? Have you noticed the trend of what's going on around us? As to where we want to walk the very fine line. We want to tamper as much as we can to say what can I do and possibly get away with. And still maybe be viewed as a Christian and still possibly make heaven our home. When we willfully sin, when we do so willfully, when we come to God after doing things that we know that we should not have done, and we give half-hearted apologies to God, half-hearted repentance, I'll tell you what the true definition of repentance means. It is when we turn from wickedness and we go the opposite direction. But there are some that think that I can just say a little, I'm sorry, oh Jesus, I'm sorry I didn't mean to here I am again Lord and we treat it so nonchalantly then what has happened my friend you have been bitten by the viper self is in control and Christ is secondary in your life and let me remind you church if there's one thing Jesus will not be in our lives he will not be second place he will not settle for it I don't care how much willpower you have. I don't care how strong of a pedigree your family is. You can live in a bubble. You can have, I mean, you could rid your house of everything that the world has said is evil. I mean, you can rid your house. I heard heard something about a young man today. And I couldn't believe what I heard. I couldn't believe what was in his mind, what he was saying. And I, I, I know this young man, not just in a, 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 a real close way, but I know him well enough. And, and I know the kind of environment that his home life is in. He's not out there, Brother Tobin, running, running wild as a buck. He's not out there, uh, not under the supervision of, uh, of uh, mom and dad. They, they, they keep this young man busy. They keep him busy with different things, good things, productive things. He knows, knows what it is to be a hard worker. I mean, all of these kinds of things. But yet what it reminded me of when I heard about this, I thought to myself, it goes to show that the enemy, this flesh, this, I mean, you can wrap your kids in bubble wrap. You can, you can lock Disney out. You can lock out MTV. You can, you can have, I mean, you can put, you can have a hundred Bibles in the house. You can put. All of the, you can play adventures and odyssey all day. I don't care how spiritual you want to be. But I'm here to tell you is the flesh will make itself known. Self is curious. Self naturally goes away from righteousness. And will begin to pursue other things. This young man, I heard that in the conversation that he had, this is what he said, Brother Eli. He said, well, he said, these were some things I've been thinking about. And immediately in my mind, I went to, the, I went to the, where the Word of God had said in Genesis 
that before the flood came, that it grieved God's heart that he had created man. Why? Because man's heart and his imagination were exceedingly wicked. Thinking of new wickedness every day. And this was a time, Sister Laura, there wasn't Facebook. There wasn't a smartphone in the hand of every person on creation. It just shows you what happens when sin interacts with the heart and the mind of a man or a woman. What happens? The Word of God says this, that the heart is deceitfully wicked. No one can trust it. And so I want you to understand tonight. You'd say, well, Brother Jacob, you just give us the checklist. You tell us what we can and can't do. You tell us this and that. And I mean, we'll put it, we'll post it, we'll put it on the fridge, we'll put it as a bookmark and Bible, and bless God, I'm not going to do it. No, listen, it's not like that. I'm not here to list. Matter of fact, if you want to look at a list, we got a list right here in front of us. And that's just scratch, that's not even scratching the surface of this sinful flesh. But what what I'm trying to say. I'm not just here to shine a light on darkness and say there's this, 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 and this. But I want you to know and understand we have got to quit pretending like it's okay to coddle and cuddle up to sin. We've got to quit pretending that that's just me and I've got to live with it and I've got to live in it. We are in a generation where there's more gospel, more singing, more preaching, more camp meetings, more programs than we've ever had in the lifetime gospel, but there's more people addicted, more people on the platform living in sin, more teachers in immorality, more people shacking up than we've ever had, more people being a gossip than there's ever been, and I'm here to tell you, church, the Holy Ghost will give you power to overcome that mess, clean you up, and sanctify your life. Come on. I mean, right now, we've got more high-profile names in ministry under scrutiny. Stuff coming out, things being revealed. I want to tell you something tonight. It's that when God is dealing with His church, judgment begins in the house of God. And we have, as a people, in order to feel comfortable, we don't want preaching, we don't anything that at all makes us feel uncomfortable in ourselves. Your flesh don't like it. You put a target on some things. You start calling some things out. You start. The, you, you allow the Holy Ghost to move in a service. Do you know what? Let me just say this. I've heard a lot of people say things like, "Oh, you know." Some folks would say, "Well, what kind of church do you pastor?" And when you say, "Well, we we're a Pentecostal church." You get that, you get that glazed look. And then you get that, oh. I, I understand. And under their breath, they're thinking, you're a weirdo. I'm not coming a hundred yards of your church. I, I, I know your type, right? I know this. When you talk about even in the Pentecostal church, and that's the sad thing of what used to be a Pentecostal church. Did you know that 25, 30 years ago, you could go to a Pentecostal church in Beaumont, and you could go to a Pentecostal church in Missouri, and there'd be some of the same songs we'd sing? Do you know that pastors get up and preach, and you'd hear some of the same doctrine preached? 
You'd go in those churches and there'd be altars. You'd go in those churches and there'd be altar calls. You'd go in those churches and there'd be baptism tanks. And there'd be messages of salvation. Messages on being filled with the Holy Ghost. It is not that way anymore. It's not that way anymore. You might go into a place, no altar. They might have tables and chairs in the sanctuary for all you know. You're going to have a motivational speech versus the gospel. Probably not an altar call. And I've heard the arguments and excuses to say, well, you know, I, we, we don't. And I've heard this from Pentecostal pastors, and I've heard this from Pentecostal, quote-unquote, Pentecostal churches. In my mind, they're not Pentecostal. It might be on the name on the church sign, but they're not living it. They're not experiencing it. But I've heard things like, well, you know, we got away from this and that, and we don't do this and that anymore because it just kind of made folks feel uncomfortable. It just, you know, we just, we just, we just want everybody feeling welcome. We just, we don't, we don't want to. And, 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 and here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's what I believe. It's not so much the manifestation of the Spirit, meaning if someone is exuberant in worship. Now, don't get me wrong. There's people that have a problem with that. It's not so much in the fact of, uh, uh, of excitable preaching because there's some that they, that they like. At least some inflection in the tone of a speaker. And, and it's not so much a music thing. As a matter of fact, there's more of a gravitation to, to that lively type of music. As a matter of fact, I've heard people who did not want anything to do with the Pentecostal experience that they would tell me. They'd say, but we sure love y'all's music. We sure love that music. And so they'll say those things, and so it's not necessarily about that, Brother Gary, but here's what it's reduced down to. Whether it be preacher or whether it be somebody in the congregation or whatever the case might be, what they are uncomfortable with is that when the Spirit of God has free reign in the house, He will come by and He will put His finger on things in your heart. When the preaching is, goes forth in truth, the Holy Ghost will come and He'll set on you. Is there anybody besides me who's ever heard a preacher and thought I wish this God get quiet because I've got to get to the altar and make it right Oh, I've got, because I feel like the roof's going to fall in on me I don't want to I mean to tell you I know for a fact in this house under your daddy's preaching under your uncle's preaching under brother Clendenin's preaching there were some folks I mean hang on the pew because you thought hell was going to swallow you up right then and right there and thank God for those men. Thank God for that kind of preaching. Thank God for Pentecostal experience. Thank God for the move of the Holy Ghost. Because even if it makes me feel uncomfortable, it is dealing with the flesh. So I can get it out and get more of Him. And I know that I can make heaven my home. We are, we are too light, too loose, too trivial with the things of the flesh. As a matter of fact, we court it, we flirt with it, and there's some things that we think are cute until it's not cute anymore. Until you start seeing the effects of it in your children. And still, until you start seeing the effects of it in your mind, in your marriage. In your emotions, until you reach a point in a place where you know that you attend church, you're in the church building, but you don't remember the last time that you've had a breakthrough. 
You don't remember the last time that you just surrendered yourself in worship. You may not remember the last time that you found yourself a place to get alone with God in an altar of prayer. It's a dangerous places to be because we flirt and we court things of sin and it sets in us. Listen, and you might say, well, I have, I have control. Brother Jake, if I have to, the things that I'm wrapped up in, it's secret. Nobody else knows. I've got it hidden. There's nobody. There's, I, I'm not hurting. In, how many times have I heard this? I'm not hurting anybody else. I can name you five people right now who thought the same thing. And today, their homes, their families, their marriages, their churches, their ministries are destroyed. Because they thought nobody else is aware. Because somewhere down the line, flesh and self had control rather than the spirit. I want you to understand is that when we make up our mind to say, Lord, I, and this is what it has to take. This is what it's got to be. It is a daily yielding to the Spirit. It is a daily making Him, His Word, and what His Word says a priority. And then, here's another place where we have to have responsibility. Brother Tobin, the Word of God tells us it is not enough just to hear the Word. And there is great power with hearing a word. What does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Right? That's what it says. So we understand that hearing the word has to be done. But Brother Keith, this is where the application comes in. He said, it's not enough to hear it. He said, but you have to be a doer. Of the word. You have to apply it to your life. It has to be that sister Lori in the heat of the moment. It has to be that we are so habitually walking with him. And think about, think about the things that are habit. Think about the things that make, make up who you are. Think about the things that you do. Think about certain quirks and certain ticks that you have. There are certain things that I, I remember when Sister Carolyn and I, we were, we were dating and she met my father, Mike, Michael Smith, when she met him. And, uh, the, and one of the first times that she talked to him, on the phone when she hung up the phone and she looked at me and she said that was so weird she said it was like I was talking to you on the other end of that phone she said y'all's voice is the same and then there was things that, that we that you know we didn't we weren't together all the time but there's things in my DNA there's things in my genetics there's things in my mannerisms and my hate behaviors there's things that are in my habits brother Wade that is a reflection of my connection to my father it is a reflection of the connection to my mother. And you've heard me say it before. There was a lady who said, I opened my mouth today and my mom jumped out. Amen. I remember sometimes the kid thinking, I'm never going to say that to my kids. Well, I lied there. That's one of them, you, you, God will have you never, nevering like you never have before. Right? 
There's things you might say that you might do and it's just an extension because it's in you. Because it's connected to you. Because that's who, that's what's in your blood. And can I tell you tonight, here's what I'm thankful for. There can be a relationship with God. Oh, that Sister Shan, I'm so, that I'm connected with him. That what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm living, what my behavior is, it's just a reflection that I pray to God that somebody one day would say I see a family resemblance and it's not Michael Smith and it's not Lynn Schaefer but they'd say there's a heavenly resemblance I'm seeing Christ in you but too many times the church is tripping over herself putting her foot in her mouth acting like a fool misbehaving through the week trying to be holy on a Sunday that's not behavior fitting for the child of God Lord let me habitually walk by the Spirit, be empowered by the Spirit, and let it work in and through me. Come on here. Let it be a part of me. Let it be an extension of who I am. Well, I don't know if that's possible. I'll argue with you on that. It is possible. I just read to you. It's possible. There's fruit, there's things to be produced in our lives when the Spirit of God empowers us to live and have victory over flesh. It says there's fruit of the Spirit that's produced. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, meekness, temperance. Said against these things, there's no law. Ain't nobody, nobody going to throw you in jail over that. Ain't nobody going to read you the riot act over those things. But so many of these behaviors, the fruit of the Spirit is contrary to the work of the flesh. What would happen the next time somebody gets you riled up, you just, you're good, it's how I am. I'm going to give them peace of my mind. And you jump on the phone with 32 people. got to call this one that one and they got to call this one that and before before you know it I mean you got a you got a wildfire burning you got 45 people hot under the collar mad ready to stone the pastor quit the church I mean just everything's going to happen all because you could not control yourself every day I read a chapter of proverbs I'm not saying that to shine my halo. I need it. I'll just tell you that right now. This ain't for me to say, I'm so spiritual. I read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Hallelujah. Bless God. No, I need it. Before I do anything else. Before I do anything else. You can ask my wife. There's morning she wakes up. I'm up before her. I've got that book open. I'll read that. I've got other reading that I do, but I always read from the book of Proverbs. Here we are 17 days in, and do you know how many times I've come across in the book of Proverbs that godly wisdom and understanding is always equated to a man who has self-control? Control over yourself. Control, are you ready? Over your temper. Control over your mouth. Don't tell me how victorious of a Christian you are when you can't control your mouth. 
Don't tell me how victorious of a Christian you are when you can't watch your temper. Hear me. And it's, a, and it's one of those things. I know it's in us. It's in our flesh. It'll, it'll try to rear its ugly, ugly head. Don't think. that I heard a fellow one time. He said, well, you know, a little cussing through the week ain't ever hurt nobody. Well, it hurts your testimony. And it's polluted your mind. And it's made you look and sound ignorant. Come on here. Well, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. Let me tell you, a little leaven. Yes, it does. Romans. Romans. I'm sorry. Here in Galatians where we are reading. We come to find is that we are dealing with these things. It says the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two are in and the word of God said contrary one to another. Here in the Amplified, it uses the, this, this analogy. It says, in direct opposition to each other. Continually in conflict. Continually in conflict. Brother Coleman, am I going to win the war over myself every single time? Probably not. Probably not. But can I win it most of the time? The majority of the time? Yes, I can. Brother Chad, can I only do that when I'm riding high on the spiritual wave? Can I, can I succeed in moments when I'm down in the valley? Can I succeed in moments when life isn't going the way that I want it to? Can I still do that then? If there's one thing that we are missing desperately in the church, one thing we're missing desperately in the church, and it truly is Consistency. Consistency. We're missing it. There are some of you, there are some of, let me just, let me give a little bit of praise here. There are some of my elderly in the church that even on those, if, when we cancel for some bad weather and stuff, that if, even if I didn't, if we didn't cancel, if I didn't cancel a service, you would be here. That's just who you are. You would be here. That's just what you do. I thank God for my elderly who set a standard of what it is to be consistent in certain practice and behavior. The word of God says you are to show that consistency and teach it. Teach the younger. Where, my, where, I, where I'm concerned, you know what I've thought about at times as a pastor? What does this look like if our elderly are gone? Young couples, young adults, different ones. Where we need to develop consistency. Where we need to develop habitually living, walking in the spirit. Allowing him to deal with this flesh. Allowing him to daily work on us. It's uncomfortable. It does not feel good. Let me tell you, I mean, it, it, just, it, it just flat out don't. You won't like it. That's why there's times folks get all bristly when... Preaching like this happens. You just, you feel like I'm meddling and you feel like he needs to move on to something else. There's a whole, there's 66 books in that Bible. Why did he choose Galatians 5? Why is he preaching out of that? There, there's a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. We could leave here happy, feeling good, shouting. Preach something where you jump up on a pew every now and again, preacher. 
But I'm going to tell you something. Is that when we talk about these days of renewal, when we talk about being a, and, and I, I'm very careful, and I don't really know another term to use, because success is one of those terms that's, the waters are muddied on it. But when I'm using the term success, I'm speaking that when we consi- can consistently and habitually live for God, walk with God, yield to God, friends, that's when you're going to see blessing in your life. You wonder why if there's things that are always falling apart? You wonder why if there's, you never can seem to catch a break? You know what else I came across in my reading in Proverbs? One of those things jumped out to me. It said this. It said, adversity pursues a sinner. Adversity pursues a sinner. You ever ever come across somebody? They're not living for God. They're not yielded to God. And everything in their life is bad. Everything's wrong. Never no money. Never no job. Relationships are always a wreck. Kids scattered, there's all kinds of problems, car don't run right, this don't go right. There's, I mean, there's always something. It's because the Bible is true. Adversity pursues the sinner. It does. You want to know what else the Bible says? And I'm carefully saying the Bible says so you don't say, well, Brother Jacob said this, and he just, he just thinks he knows it all, and he just, says, he just says that to be saying it. No, the Bible says this. You know what else the Bible says, Sister Bambi? The ways of a transgressor are hard. They're hard. So can I ask you tonight, can we be candid? Can we be honest? Has life been hard? Well, Brother Jake, you know there's certain things I can't control. I understand that. I get that. I'm right there with you. There's some things I can't control. There's some circumstances I can't change. I get it. But when was the last time that you took a good, long, honest look to say, is this part of my life hard because I'm not in line with the Word of God and the will of God? I know we don't like that. I love you, and I know you don't like it. But I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Like I said, we'll shout about power over You better come to the piano, Carolyn. We'll shout, we'll shout about power over Satan. Woo, hallelujah, yeah. I mean, devil's under our... I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what he stole from me. And all that. And, and, you know, and you know what I think the devil does sometimes, Brother Tobin? He goes, ah! <laughs> Who does this guy think he's fooling? I mean, what in the world? Look at this. I mean, we, boy, I mean, we come out of church on spiritual steroids, don't we? I'm, we're going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And the, the enemy knows there's nothing stable in your life. The enemy knows you're double-minded. The enemy knows how many times we've been back and forth, in and out, up and down. He says, just give me an hour on Monday. Give me one hour. And Sister Lord, so many times I think for him it becomes a game. For some, don't even in and out. Give me 30 minutes. 
And I'll have them so bent out of shape. I'll have them so depressed. I'll have them so discouraged. I'll have, I'll have them in such a place that they will begin to believe yet again that God can't. But the man or the woman who can habitually walk in the Spirit. When you begin to understand that the Spirit of... If that's why the Word of God says this. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against... If God is for us, who can be against us? And it's not, an, it's not an issue that God has left the premises. If tonight there's disconnect, if tonight you're disillusioned, if tonight he feels a million miles away. Somebody said it like this. Anybody in here, you ever lost your keys? Have you ever noticed that you lose your keys at the most inopportune time? Right? You, you, and, and you're tearing everything apart and you're looking right and you're blaming everybody but yet you're the only one that has the keys to that car it's your car your keys and then and somebody says well what's going on the keys are lost that's not a true statement them keys did not grow legs in the middle of the night and wander off somewhere. Do you know who's lost? Do you know who don't have the right coordinates? Do you know who is removed away from what needs to be found? It's not the keys. It's you. It's me. It's the same way with God. We can, we can walk around and we can say, I, I just, I don't know. It feels like God, he's so far away from me. He just don't love me. God, I, you know, everybody, everybody loves to sing goodness of God, but he's not good to me. I, 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 don't, I can't remember the last time he's been good to me. Got a problem, sir. Got a problem, man. And it is not God who has been upped and moved. He is the one who is not lost. It is us. It is us. And we are often lost. And we're in the thick of the forest of self and flesh. And we're living there. And we're wallering there. That's a good old southern Missouri term. We're just wallering in that mess. And sometimes we're happy with wallering in it. Because as long as we're comfortable with living there and wallowing in it, we ain't got to deal with the pain of changing it because the real pain of changing it means that we allow God to put His finger right on the places in our lives to say, this has got to change. You want to see that change? You want to live in victory? You want to experience certain things? Then you're going to have to. I told somebody not too long ago, they said, man, so when I look at so-and-so, it just seems like they've got it all together. And I mean, they're just strong spiritually, and they're excited about God, and God's doing so much in their life. He said, I, I wrestle with that. He said, I, I even kind of fight jealousy. 
And I reminded him, I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. I said, truth number one, that person does not have everything together. Let me just tell you that right now. Nobody has everything together. Nobody does. Secondly, secondly, the way that they worship and the way that they press or the way God's blessing, I said, you don't know the battles they've been through to get there. You don't know what hell they fought. You don't know what insecurities they have. You don't know what situations they've been up against. So don't look at it like there's some overnight success. You better understand there's some stuff they're in, they have been through, or they are going through, but this is what they're choosing to do to get through it. You see, that's the thing that throws some people off. And I know some of you, 15 minutes ago, you done said he's rambled too much. But I'm just going to say this. There are some, don't get confused If you see me with my hands raised and tears falling, don't get confused if you see me shout across this platform and you think, boy, it must be nice to be pastor. He's got it made. He gets paid to be spiritual. He gets paid to read the Bible. He gets paid. I mean, it must be nice. His life is perfect. Let me tell you something. There's sometimes you don't know what it costs to shout. You don't know what it costs to lift my hands. You don't know what it costs to sing a song. You don't don't know what it costs to preach a message when all of hell is fighting in your mind and in your spirit. Don't you confuse somebody's worship or somebody's consistency with thinking that they have it made. It's just they've chosen to go about the struggle in a different way. They've decided to let the spirit empower them. Brother Gary, consistency does not mean perfect perfection every time. International Quitters Day, if some people will realize by day three, okay, you ate a Snickers bar. It's not the end of the world. You get back up and you make a better choice tomorrow. You do better tomorrow. See, sometimes, Sister Kelly, consistency is a patchwork of some things But do you know what the common denominator of consistency is? Is that even in the midst of the patchwork of the highs and the lows, the yeses, the noes, the goods, the bads, when I did it right and I didn't do it right, but I did not quit. I simply didn't quit. And then you look up and a couple weeks goes by. Three weeks goes by. Four months goes by. Six months goes by. And then you begin to say, you know what? I haven't struggled with that in, I don't remember when. I don't remember when. I'm telling you, the Spirit will give you power over self. Over self. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I thank you tonight, your faithfulness. I thank you, your word. And Lord, if you can do anything with this mess that I've preached here tonight I'm asking that you would do it my words might be inadequate I may have not said all the right things but Lord you know my heart to deliver the truth and I pray tonight the Holy Ghost would deal with our hearts and help us 
I pray, Lord, that it be the heart of the people of this church that we would say, I want to walk habitually in the Spirit. I want it to be, I want to be consistent. I, 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 don't, I don't have to be double-minded. I don't have to be in and out. I don't have to let self win more than the Spirit does. You've given us power to overcome. And Lord, I pray, help us to realize that. Maybe those that are struggling and battling tonight, it doesn't mean that we're hopeless. It doesn't mean that there's no help for us. Lord, maybe tonight some of our consistency is maybe a, a hodgepodge of patchwork of good days and bad and some struggles and other days we got the victory. But Lord, I pray the Spirit helps somebody tonight that it sets in their soul and they are resolute that if anything else, I will not quit. I will keep going. I'll keep doing it. I'll keep serving. I'll keep pressing. I'll keep learning and growing. But Lord, give me victory over self. I can't flirt with it. I can't think it's cute. I can't coddle it. I can't make room for it because it'll destroy me. It'll keep me out of heaven. That's your word. That's what your word says. And Lord, help us tonight. May the Holy Ghost examine our hearts. Speak to us. Deal with us, Lord, I pray. Tonight, this altar call is simple. If you'd say, Pastor, I want the Spirit to give me power over myself. I need the Spirit to empower me that I can live in victory over my flesh. That I will yield more to the Spirit. That I will develop a habit of walking in the Spirit. A man, a woman of consistency and self-control. A man and woman of yielding ourselves each and every day to say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Lord, with your help, this is what I know I can do. Because if you're for me, who can be against me? If that's your heart tonight, can we find ourselves a place to pray? Can we find ourselves a place in these altars? They're open. Can we find ourselves some time and a space uh, oh, to allow the Lord, amen, access into our hearts, our lives here tonight? Oh, Holy Ghost. Oh, Holy Ghost. He are from